Navin Bone, thank you. Navin Bone, Stonebridge Companies, Denver, Colorado, the Slade Hotel. This is an incredible story. Thank you. You never do anything halfway. We try not to. <laughs> you know, it could be done right. Let's do it right. What it, do you try to complicate? Pick the hard projects on purpose because if it's um, easy, anyone could do it. Yeah, there probably is a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes to win a project, it has to be hard, and it weeds out a lot of people. And if you don't have the vision, you you can't do the project, right? And and maybe it, that's part uh, of the story as well. How do you get the opportunity to do a project? So tell me, what did you see when you walked in here? I mean, when you saw how many years ago was this? Was Sorry, how many six, years ago? Six, six years, years ago. ago. I walked in this building, uh, and there was an RFP out, the Denver Public Schools on the building and we'd received a couple of calls from them. They had a brokering process and we had to go through what I would call a beauty contest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they, I thought the school did a nice job of really what they wanted in, um, in the, in the new owner of this building. And there was a lot of history behind it. Uh, not just all the sticks and bricks, yeah. but what the use of the building was. You can and this feel it. was Emily Griffith's Opportunity School, and it's a school that was, you know, I'd call in today's world maybe a trade school, as well as, you know, learning to read and write and do math and geography, but as well as, you know, how to, uh, a welding shop and a car mechanic shop and a cosmetology shop. So there were so many different things um, that the school taught local folks here. Um, and, and many of them were, you know, recent immigrants. And this was in the early 1900s when the oh, wow. school started. And the school still exists today. Um, and hence the opportunity um, yeah, the to do something interesting. The school still exists. The school still exists. So she started, started this school when? 1900? Um, uh, I believe it was 1916. 1916. Yes. And, and I mean, she's really impacting lives. She's absolutely impacting lives. And... and you know, I, I, I still draw back to the fact that, you know, in today's world, um, women in oh, important yeah. roles yes. and doing really important things. Here's a woman north of 100 years ago did something amazing to change the trajectory of so many lives, both men, women, and in some case, you're really adults, uh, early adults, and then people who were, I don't know, 14 years old, 15 years old, right? I know, I know. Um, and, and, their, and their families, many of them who are still here, she touched a lot of people. Yeah, how do you, so do you pass by former students and, and grandparents and grandkids? Like, have you met that or because it's... Cause no, we, have, we, we actually have you will. Uh, a, a lady who works in our corporate office. Okay. Who... Um, I recently learned, went to cosmetology school at Emily Griffiths. That is great. And um, so it has touched a lot of people. Do you think when you're really open and flowing that people are going to start coming back and be like, I went to school here. I, I, I remember these halls. People will come back. You know, They'll sit in the restaurant in the bar and have a drink with their family or their grandkids or whoever and, and just sort of reminisce. And here's a place that I went to school. This is a part of me. And, and I think all of us have some element sure. in us and, and places that gave us something. And I think particularly a place that gave us education, right? There's something about education that's very special. Somebody who taught us something, an institution that gave us knowledge. And that knowledge allowed us to live a better life, a more productive life, 
and give really good trajectory to our families. Um, and I think Emily did that. She did it really well. Yeah, uh, back at it, I'm not saying it's easy now because maybe it's not, but it just seemed a lot harder then. Yeah, I, I would think so, you know, and, and it was, and there's a difference, right, in, in, in terms of schools and trade schools and yeah. universities. Yes. And, you know, today, you know, many of us had the, frankly, the, um, the opportunity to go to great institutions yes. and of higher education. And this school allowed people, regardless of your socioeconomic class, you had the opportunity to learn and learn a trade, learn something that you could apply right away as a skill and earn a wage and have a job. Love it. I mean, look, I mean, this is a gigantic plate. Like, how, gigantic do we know the student body? Oh, yeah. Looking down this hallway, yeah. so this is roundly 400 feet. It's a building that's um, only four stories tall. Across the street, directly across the street, is the Colorado Convention Center. In today's world, you would never build a building no. like this. You couldn't afford it. Right. This building should be standing on its end, 400 feet tall. And, you know, with a small footprint. Yep. That's how it would We'd do today. Sure. And so it, it does have this really unique um, physical character. It's got the unique story of having been the school. And, and now it's a hotel. And, and in many regards, I regard that as sort of it's, it, it's my responsibility. It's our responsibility in some respect. Certainly as a company, but also as society to say, how do you give new life to a building like this. Sure. That's a historic building. And, you know, I, I'm an interim caretaker of this building. I'm an interim custodian, however you want to think of it. And the building was built here long before I arrived. It'll be here long after I'm gone. And, you know, for the use of others um, in the future. And, and, you know, and for now, and for the next foreseeable future, it'll be a hotel. Sure. And it's a great hotel. What do you think it becomes next? You know, that's a fascinating question, right? Can you imagine, that's a really interesting thought, is when Emily Griffith was doing this, did she ever think no. that what will be the future use of this? Probably not. They said, no, this could be a school. We're building it as a school. We're going to educate people. Now, the school moved, um, you know, a few blocks down the street, so it's still downtown. And today it's a hotel. I don't know, 50 years, 80 years, 100 years from now, what will it be? I'm not sure I'll be here to see it, but um, whoever is, and, and maybe they'll, they'll see this video and say, you know, yeah, somebody was actually thinking about the next life of this building. Um, we'll leave that decision to somebody else. It certainly takes a team. I think that initial thesis when you walk in a building and you really think it through and, and you know, how can the guest rooms be laid out? Where can the public yes. space be? Can it actually work um, and have a decent experience as a hotel guest day in, day out? Can, can you make it work? And, and you know, as I was walking through it, I got a general sense, I think this can work. And, and then it was sort of really layering in, uh, you know, the, the first level of sort of floor plan to start sketching it out and getting the architects involved and designers involved and saying, here's kind of what we're thinking. What do you think? Are we thinking about this right? Will it lay out? What are the exact dimensions? Yeah. And really getting into the nitty gritty of, um, of that. And then looking into the structural systems and, what can you move? What can you not move? Talking to the national historic folks, the state historic folks, the local historic folks. We got three layers of historic folks involved, uh. and making sure that everybody is happy and we can comply with their respective 
requirements. Um, so um, a, a lot of conditions to comply with. Always. But we got it done. And, yeah. And as you've seen, it's a, um, uh, it is a functional hotel. It's incredible. Be, because if it's not functional, yeah, it won't uh, be economically uh, viable. Correct. Right? And, and so you do have to look at these things. And this one came together nicely. I just think it's so great. I mean, we're in the industry right now. And they, they, for a while, we were very cookie cutter. And now we're going unique experiences. And this certainly falls in the world of unique experiences. I, I would agree. Yeah, it is. And, and I think we all travel. And yes. you know, there's times when we just, you know, if there's something just a little bit different, we, we all enjoy it. And most of the time, it's, um, you know, it's, you know, the cookie cutter is more traditional experience. Um, that's fine. But, you know, having something like this is, is also refreshing periodically and saying, wow, this is cool. Because I want to go stay there, and you were traveling, you didn't want surprises, so yes. you went to the brand, and Brand X yes. delivered Brand X, and Brand Y delivered on Brand Y, and, and more of a unique experience is something exactly that. It's unique. It's different. Yes. I mean, how many employees do you have now? Uh, we have about three thousand. So you're a you're a teacher, an Emily Griffith, of yeah. In a, in, a, in a way, I mean, I, I suppose we, we can, you know, in some respects, are we. Any sort of leadership position, you know, we call yes. it training. The old-fashioned word is probably teaching. Yes. Right? We're all teachers. Yes. And I would also say we're all students simultaneously. Yeah. We never stop learning. I never want to stop learning because I think the moment I stop learning, in some respects, I'm stop, I stop living. Yes. Right? And I, and I think, certainly for me, and I think most of us, we're creatures of knowledge. And, oh, how does that work? You know, what is it? Curiosity. We're curiosity. We're inquisitive. And, and those minds are, are, in my opinion, are the best minds. Um, and which also is, is you're running a company, and if you're the CEO of this company, you've also got to advance that. And in my case, I don't have to advance it because, oh, my God, that's the right thing to do. It's just so here. Yes. I, yes. I love education. I love teaching. I want the world to be more knowledgeable. I want everybody around me to be more knowledgeable. And, and you know, we have housekeepers, we have front desk agents, we have buses, we have servers, we have general managers, we have sales folks. At, at any level and every level, knowledge is important. And you know, we're in this sort of unique position as leaders to strengthen that base and provide the opportunity to learn. And and, and to learn also have you, you know, it's also part of our work and, and having a great day when you're working. Yeah, and great. What you're doing, have a great day. Have an enjoyable workplace. And whether it's here at the hotel or, or at our corporate office or anywhere else, um, make it a good place and, and give people opportunity to advance, to advance their careers, advance their livelihoods, learn a new skill, um, train them on you know, an aspect of the hotel business that right. they don't know about. Right, and when there's an opening somewhere else, you know, take somebody who's been with you and wants to learn. Okay, they can learn something new, and over time, they may go through three, four, five, six departments, and then what they do, yes. become a general manager, correct? Because they have knowledge of all the aspects of a hotel, and and that's the opportunity that we must provide our associates. Which again, I think you've done. I think you're a teacher, right? When you started, you were scrambling and just trying to survive. Yeah, we all were. We all do. Right? We all were. And now, what you have three thousand plus employees, right? 
you're teaching and providing them. You, you are. You're teaching. You, you're providing that sort of basis to learn from, to grow from. Um, no, I, yeah, it's, it's a lifelong, what, uninterrupted, sort of continuous learning. What, um, what number hotel are you on? What number is this? This is number 68. <laughs> but who's counting? Who's counting? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a fun ride. Continues to be a fun ride. I'm loving it. Yeah. We're not stopping anytime soon. No, I'm just not wired that way. No. All right, hang on. All right, I'm going to get to the broader economy. Like, how is today? I mean, why, how are you seeing the world today? And compared to, you know, yeah, the world's, um, you know, over the last three, four months, the world's become a little more complicated. Very quickly. Um, certainly with, you know, the, the Russian invasion, um, that has complicated things. COVID clearly complicated things. And, and COVID really um, w w was really the issue around um, human capital, human capital disruptions led to supply chain di disruptions. Yep. Um, uh, stimulus, while it was absolutely needed, um, we may have overshot a little bit uh, in terms of amount of stimulus. But uh, I would honestly, I, I would take all the stimulus that was put into the system because at the time nobody knew what was going to happen. You had to react quickly, swiftly, and, and that's what our government did. Um, but today, I would say there's um, there's more money in the system. There's more money in bank accounts. People have um, have the money to spend, and they want to spend it on durable goods and goods and services and all kinds of things. So it's pulling a demand. There's more demand, but the supply is constrained because of the supply chain. Right. So we know exactly how this happened. We know why we're here today. Uh, this is no mystery. Explain. So the, the well, again, COVID related. Yeah. Right? From a there's two parts to an economy: supply side and demand side. And on the supply side, you know, my, my sort of standard sort of example is, you know, I sell my widgets. I got 20 widgets on my shelf. That's my normal cadence. And I sell them at a normal pace and a normal profit and life is great. All of a sudden, supply chain issues come along and I can't get my widgets anymore and I've only got four widgets. I normally have 20. So what do I do? I increase the price of my four widgets and I will find four buyers at a much higher price. So essentially that's called inflation. And, and why did it happen? Because of supply chain. And why did supply chain have issues? Because of labor issues. Why did labor issues occur? Because of COVID. So we know exactly why these things happen. So that's the supply side. The demand side, first of all, humans didn't stop living. And we actually have a little more money than we did. There's somewhere around $6 trillion more in bank accounts Extra. today than there was pre-COVID on a steady state basis. And this is on bank accounts, this is on equities, this is on bonds, this is cash in banks that the Fed can see, right? So it's a lot of capital. And so there's still that demand for that new car, the new refrigerator, the new whatever it is. Yes. Yet the supply chain is restricted, you know, from my yes. earlier comment. So what happens again? If there's only five refrigerators left yeah. instead of 500, price goes up. It's called inflation. Okay, so now we've got the new thing, it's called inflation. How do you do with inflation? You know, there are really two tools that you do with inflation, and one of them is interest rates, and that's why we're seeing interest rates go up. And then you, know, you translate that into you know, whatever industry, and in our case, 
What does it do? Increases borrowing costs for mortgages on hotels. And you know, that has its own set of issues of valuation and, um, you know, exactly. I mean, so anyway, I, I think you get the point is um, these are our challenges today. But it'll go away at some point. It'll settle down. Inflation will settle down. I, I'm very confident it settles down, you know, whether it's a year or 18 months, okay. two years, a relatively small okay. amount of time. And the reason I say that is because when you backtrack again and you reverse engineer yeah. this thing, it was because of COVID. And COVID was, again, supply chain. And as the supply chain sorts itself out, it'll calm down. Think about this for a second. Supply chain is not monitored by any agency. Oh, yeah. It happens organically in the economy. So pre-COVID, we could open a hotel. And the hotel takes all kinds of parts, pieces, things made all over the world. And they show up just in time to get a hotel built, to get it opened, and voila. Whether it's food, door hardware, some electronic component, whatever it is, it shows up. Yet, it is not, it, there's no body, no governmental body or any other kind of body that manages supply chain. And the reason it works is people look for opportunity. And if there's a dislocation, Somebody's going to come in, fill it, make a profit. And that's what, that's what we do. Right. Certainly what we do in this country and certainly what the world does. Right? You fill it. So that's why I think the, 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 the disruption of the supply chain, yes. it'll get fixed. Someone, because people, yes. they look for opportunities to solve and, and make a business out of Sure. That's why I think it's, it's a relatively short amount of time. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm the delivery, food delivery services right. example. We were all at home, couldn't leave. Right. Don't worry, we'll bring stuff to you. Somebody, you know, there was a businessman, right? Over, oh, overnight. Overnight. Yeah, the joy of quickly. the joy of, of our world. Somebody sees an opportunity that, oh, well, there's a missing link here. I know how to fill it. All right, so what do you think, staying on the hotel space, what do you think is going to happen with demand? I mean, it's roaring back right now. Does that continue? Hotel demand, I think, continues. People aspire to travel. I, I think there's more flexibility in how and where we can work from than we've ever had. And, and some of that will continue, and we'll be able to, and I think more blended trips is what I would call it. It may start off as a business trip, and you blend into a more leisure, starts off as leisure, and you may even do more business. So either way, I think length of stay in hotels gets longer, and we actually travel more, not less. Interesting. Business, leisure, doesn't matter. We're just traveling. We're just traveling. I think it becomes much more blended. I, I think over time, you know, um, how we structure our rates and yes. plans uh, may shift as well. Are we able? You think we're going to be able to raise rates to make up for the co higher cost of interest rates? Yeah. I, it, well, I, there's inflation in this. Yes. So, so of course, with, with that, I'd say yes. You can raise rates. Um, you, you have no choice to raise rates. You have to. Everything's more expensive. More, your labor costs you yeah. more. Your electricity costs you more. Everything costs more. So you're no different than in the rest of the economy, and you have no choice but to raise your rates. And what do you see happening with interest rates? We're going. We've all seen the SOFR curve. I think they'll go up a little bit and continue. And I think, you know, to me is for the average person, watch the interest rates, but watch the inflation. As you see inflation tapering, um, likely you know you've probably seen. Um, 
you know, somewhere near the peak they, of the interest rate. Right. And, then they'll, and then they will taper as well. Well, I, I mean, yes, I, they can certainly taper. I mean, yeah. I, I think once the inflation issue is um, subsiding, uh, I, I think you see uh, some reversal of the okay. interest rates. That's next year. Maybe two it years? Can be. It okay. can be next year. Might Likely, be. if it is, it's late next year. But certainly the following year would be my guess. Are we recession? I'm, I think it's avoidable. Um, I, I'm not sure if I would bet on that. My general sense is it's avoidable. Thread and needle. Yes. And maybe final question. You're still very bullish on our hotel industry space. I am bullish on the hotel yeah. industry space. And I am Long term, a great industry. Long term, short term. Industry, short term. You know, we took it on the chin. Yep. We're much better today. And I, and I think part of me just uses this term of mankind aspires to travel. And it's regardless of socioeconomic class, um, whichever kind of hotel you're, you're staying at a Super 8 or the Four Seasons, up and down the food chain, every one of those people who travels for whatever reason, it could be, you know, I, I'm going to the town that's 100 miles from here, my kids are in a soccer tournament, and we're going to stay at the local Super 8 or the Holiday Inn or wherever we're staying, that person aspires to travel. travel. They want to go. Uh, or it could be, you know, wherever. It doesn't matter where you're going, who you are. The travel industry, the lodging industry, I think is alive and well. I think will continue to stay that way. And, and my sense is it actually grows and tourism and travel becomes even bigger than it is today as a total um, piece of the economy. It, it continues to get a larger share of the economy that we will spend more of our disposable income on experiences, Travel. less on possessions. I think COVID has really taught the world something a little different, that we are, in some regards, we're more equal than we've ever been. This disease could, um, it, it, it didn't matter who you were, what you were, what you had, it can kill you, it can really disable you. Um, and, and for that, I think people are saying, you know what, I want to live a life of experiences. Mm -hmm. I want to do the things I want to do. I want to be with the people I love and I want to share my time with. I don't know how much time I've got. Nobody does. But I do have this responsibility to use it judiciously, use it wisely. And, and I think travel is right at the top of that list. And how do you create your best memories on vacation? I guarantee with you, and I think anybody who's listening, when you lay down tonight, play your tape in your mind, think about the vacations you had, and you will remember amazing uh, details of the vacation. Uh, a particular meal you had, a particular hotel you stayed in, you know, the car you traveled in, whatever it was, you will remember a lot. But if I told you what do you had for lunch last no. Thursday, you have no idea. No. But that vacation that was 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 70 years ago, you will remember it. So creating memories with travel is absolutely first class creating memories and with the people you love, that your friends, your family, your colleagues, that's what you do it with.